Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's your thoughts on government cover-ups or covert societies attempting to control humanity? Do you believe in ancient astronauts, intergalactic communication, or extraterrestrial visitations? Ever had an experience with disembodied spirits or the paranormal universe? Are these subjects fact or fiction? Each week, Tony and Eddie explore these unbelievable realities and beyond. Exclusively on Truth Be Told. Hello and welcome to Truth Be Told with Tony and Eddie, where we believe an experience becomes truth. I'm Tony Sweet, and joining me now in studio is world-renowned psychic Eddie Connor. Thanks, Tony. Today our show revolves around magic. It's a very popular topic, but we're not talking about Harry Houdini or David Copperfield. We're speaking about the real magic that goes back for centuries. Now, on this episode, we're sharing the magical worlds of the Norse goddess. Author Alice Carr's daughter is here to uplift and educate our audience with a practical guide to the magic of the feminine side of the Norse Pathian. Alice is the author of Norse Goddess Magic. It's all about trance work, mythology, and ritual. She's been involved in the dramatic heathen revival for over 40 years, and she's also a student of the Scandinavian and Northern European methodologies and folklores. Plus, guess what, Tony? What's that, Eddie? Alice is a practicing Norse pagan, which makes it that much more fun for our audience. Nice. And if that's not enough, Alice is a Master in Rune Guild, which is an initiation organization for the teaching and research of rune lore and rune work. She also contributes to dozens of articles with lots of publications. Of course she does, because... In her spare time, she's continuing to do her trance work and her paganism, and she's always empowering people all over the world. But tonight, Alice gives us details about her trance work to discover the personalities and the powers of Frigg, the all-mother wife of Odin, and the 12 lesser-knowns I see her goddesses associated with her. Without further ado, please give a warm welcome to our very special guest, famed author and practicing Norse pagan, Alice Carl's daughter. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, Hi. Alice. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We are so excited to have you here, and it's going to be a great show because this is a subject we've not touched on before, and that's one thing about Truth Be Told. We want to know. We want to learn from people like yourself that have put your passion and energy and research And if you've never this. met Tony, you know he likes to touch on everything. <laughs> we won't touch on that subject right now. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, thank you for being here, and uh, I, I want to know a little bit about your background since you have not been on the show before. Tell us about uh, how you got into the field that you're in now. Uh, and I think you, you're... You, oh, actually, just tell us the field that you actually specialize in. Um, well, I, um, I became a, a practicing Norse pagan because my, my mother's side of the family um, came from Norway. Oh. And um, so I, and because they had come more recently than my father's family came from England, I was, they had a lot of the old traditions still. Um, and I, I picked up a lot of the, I learned the myths, um, when I was about four, I think four or five, because I remember my mother reading them to me, um, before I could read myself. And those were like the Norse myths were the first ones I ever read. So I think a lot of people compare them to like the Greek or Roman myths. Mm. But for me, I read the Norse ones first, so I compared everything else to that, like when I was in school. And um, I was raised in, uh, in a Lutheran church um, in a nice middle-class neighborhood in Texas. But um, when I hit high school and college, I just I was dissatisfied with that, and I, mm. I started looking around at, at 
a lot of different religions and just exploring what was out there. And when I discovered there was such a thing as paganism, I immediately wanted to work with the Norse pantheon because that I felt close to them already just from, you know, picking up the folklore when I was a child. So, so that's how I kind of got into it. Um, there wasn't very much... There was no internet way back then. No. And, no. Um, <laughs> and there weren't a lot of books or magazines on that particular area of paganism, although there were starting, you know, it was kind of before the New Age, but there were books on ceremonial magic and, and Wicca and maybe Celtic to some extent. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a lot out there, but what there was, you know, I would read about it. Um, I read a lot of scholarly works because there wasn't a lot of popular pagan works on that you know, in that area, and there weren't very many people doing it, or it was hard to find them, but um, I wound up working with a a small group of people, we called ourselves Okroon Circle, uh, back in the 70s and 80s, um, and met a teacher, his name was David James, um, who introduced me to the runes, and um, hmm. and a number of, I know, magic, a lot of magical techniques. So. Now- can yeah, I, I just kind of been going along ever since then. Well, let me ask you this, and, and there's a lot of people out there. Uh, there's a saying I'm looking at right now. As accusing a pagan of worship, worshiping Satan is like an atheist worshiping God. Because pagan, there's a lot of misconceptions, and you know, and I, I, I want to, if you can explain what pagan is to our audience. Well, um, I mean, different, there is not just one kind of paganism because mm-hmm. people work with different traditions, but basically it's a non-Christian religion usually based on the mythology or religious practices of some some ethnic group or or historical group of people because before before Christianity, most places in the world had some sort of pagan religion. Um, the Celts had Druidism, you know, the Norse right. worshipped their gods. I mean, and not just, I mean, I don't know about everywhere in the world, but, and there's some places that still have that. Um, it tend, um, I would say, in some ways, uh, Hinduism is kind of, they, they've become a world religion, but a lot. So it's usually it's basically usually a pre-Christian religion of some um, some people or area uh, because it's it well, paganism is not I think we're so used to the idea of world religions or the uh, religions that like you know this is the one way to reach God and everyone should Drink should the practice it right. that that um, pagan religions you know when they started out were usually practiced by a certain tribe, you know, it could be as small as just a tribe or a region or a group of people who worship their gods and some other group of people, you know, across the mountains might worship different gods, you know, in different mm-hmm. countries. And and that's, you know, it was kind of considered okay. I don't think people expected other tribes or groups of people hmm. to be worshiping, you know, their gods, you right. know, that, that, or that it was, you know, necessary that, you know, so, so it's kind of like different. There's a lot of different uh, pagan religions. Um, a lot of modern, well, certain magic or different practices sometimes stem out of a, an indigenous people's pagan religion. Well, and you said you grew up in Texas, and that's a super conservative yeah, state. Uh, and it, it is in some ways, but there's also a lot of... Uh, there was Austin in the 60s and 70s as kind of a liberal <laughs> place. <laughs> wow. There are a lot of ethnic groups in Texas. I, don't, I, I had a friend in New York that said she didn't think there were, any, didn't know there were any ethnic groups in Texas, but, but there were a lot <laughs> because it's a large state. I think unlike a city like New York, instead of all being crowded in the same city, they were spread out into little towns. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, a lot of the groups, you know, were very self-contained in these little isolated towns and continued practicing, you know, whatever folklore that they brought from their country for, like, a long time. So there's, like, a lot of interesting folk customs and and remnants. There are, are customs that seem like remnants of what I believe are pagan things that 
that have kind of, you know, been brought over from the old world that people don't really know that they are pagan, but they kind of are. Um, an example is there's a town called Fredericksburg that has, they used to have, I don't know if they still do, but they used to have fires at Easter, you know, to which they burn bonfires in the surrounding hills. And I, I read somewhere that the legend was that that was the Easter bunny boiling eggs, but in <laughs> fact, the, the German pagan tribes and, and Scandinavia, too, would build big bonfires on, you know, the eve before their spring, you know, festival. Uh, and and I, I, I mean, they might have rationalized it to themselves as they became Christian, but I, I'm pretty sure those customs probably go way back, you know, in Germany or, you know, where that sure, Germans yeah. settled that town, and um, and they and then they brought it over to Fredericksburg, you know. So. Well, it's fascinating because uh, at an early age you were able to create a circle in that part of the country. So this is very educational um, for yeah. us because, yeah. you know, we, you know, you think of Texas and it's like run everybody out that ain't like us. <laughs> yes, it is. Actually the group, when we actually formed the group, we were in Connecticut by that time. But, um, <laughs> Cause you got did, out. <laughs> this is a funny story though, because I went to a Southern Baptist university. Oh wow. Um, oh, you did too, Eddie? <laughs> Not a university. Yeah, I know. I was kind of, I don't know how I wound up there. <laughs> I, was like, I know it's a theater major, which was like, yeah, oh God. It, it was kind of fun because I, I'd kind of I was like a nerdy good girl growing up and mm. just the fact that I was majoring in theater and wasn't a Baptist was kind of exciting and dangerous to my <laughs> fellow students. And it's always fun when you're eighteen to be that way without having to really do anything dangerous right. or too bad. So so I kind of enjoyed being, you know, a wild girl at Baylor. <laughs> anyway, while I was there I met my teacher, my magical pagan who became my, you know, guru or my, my teacher oh. and and my priest, um, at at this university who is an adjunct professor who is teaching like a year of poetry who had come down from Yale University. So so like you think about, you know, how you encounter, you know, people you're meant to meet or teachers like you can right. find them in the most unlikely places and uh and i i did theater i majored in theater so i did i did theater and we like were separated after i graduated college and i wound up in the northeast at a at a summer theater and encountered him again and you know some of the people and then at that point we formed our circle so. nice well I, I when i was in my 20s also i i did the 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 round doing the rounds of different religions and and uh you know buddha hindu all that stuff uh well, I grew up around that stuff, I did so too. yeah. I did too. Uh, so I didn't have to search that <laughs> that one out. They came to me yeah, knocking the, on yeah. the door. <laughs> right, you need a cleansing. <laughs> blah blah blah. <laughs> uh, but I want to know when you met this teacher, how did you know? Was it like an intuition? Was it like the light bulb went off that just really light lit up the room that says this is something I really want to like seek? I had been kind of drawn is kind of like come here go away had this on off interest in magic and the occult you know paganism you know but but then when there wasn't much information like i said and certainly like where i was being so young there wasn't access to good information so i'd kind of go to the library or you know bookstore and kind of look, you know, in that section, and they'd have these books on, you know, evil Satanist <laughs> magic, and then oh it was God. like, no, I don't want to do that. So, no. so I'd kind of, you know, get turned off, and I kind of really didn't know what paganism was, but right. I, I was kind of, I guess, drawn to it. And one of the things that me and David did for me is he had a, a large library on all kinds of ceremonial magic and, you know, various pagan groups. It was mostly... Um, Wiccan books or various things being published at that time, but but just the idea that there was such a thing as paganism, you know, that was not not some kind of evil magic, but was this religion, you know, um, was kind of that was kind of the aha moment, I guess. It's like, oh, this is a thing, you know. Well, this is what it is, and right. then like, and then immediately it's like, and I, you know, because I kind of 
I'd always, you know, I, I, I loved the Norse gods when I was a kid, and then I got older, and it's like, well, these are just stories, you know, but I'm an adult now. Of course, I don't believe in it, but it was almost like the minute I discovered that there were such things as pagan religions, it's like, yes, they are real. You know, <laughs> these are the ones I want to worship. So. Well, well, growing up, for me, it, we, I didn't hear much about the Norse gods. I don't know about you, Eddie, but I, I mean, we heard about the Greek and Roman, yeah, but I, I didn't hear much about <clears throat> the Norse yeah. gods. Yeah. Same It'll here. be a little chapter at the back of your mythology section if they talk about it at all. That's um, right. Yeah, well, then they don't like to talk. My teacher, literally, I remember we did one week and one semester of the Greek and Roman gods, mm-hmm. and we had to do an exam on it. She's like, now, I don't want to be talking about these people because there's some homosexuality <laughs> that was involved in the Greek and the Roman empires. Oh, no. <laughs> and then here I am, big old sissy Eddie sitting in the classroom. We all know about those Greeks. I know. They're, it's just like, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'm Greek. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know what was wrong with me. Well, and I don't even know if they still teach mythology in school and anymore. I bet they because don't. I know I they know. started protesting it. Uh, yeah, I doubt. I that mean, is ridiculous. It's, it, to me, it's part of history. We, need, I, I think, it's important to know all aspects of history. So, yeah. well, they like to rewrite it so well, that it true. sounds like they make it what they want to make it now instead of what Medusa the truth is. is. Just called Aunt Mildred. <laughs> we all it got really gives you a clue as to how people in a certain time thought, because mm-hmm. you can kind of see how they think about their society by the way they picture their gods and mm-hmm. their relationships. You know. Well, can, let's can we let's talk about this with your book, uh, Norse Goddess Magic: Trance okay. Work, Mythology, and Ritual. I'm going to find out what is trance work. I'm I'm not familiar with that. Eddie, I don't know. Are you familiar with I, that? I, I, all I see now, Alice, you're going to have to educate me, honey. Okay, because <laughs> all, all I know about as a media, as a psychic and a tiny petite flower princess giver goddess media myself, <laughs> um, that trance trance channeling there's conscious channeling there's trance channeling so i would just guess not being educated that trance work would be getting into that higher altered state of consciousness that's almost trance like to do certain work that's right oh good good for you eddie wait a minute i gotta give eddie this because good for you eddie Yay! you get a biscuit i do and i like (laughs) biscuits thank you alice so so tell us about how you got involved with the trance work so continuing on my story, um, when we formed this group and started doing rituals, um, we like to do a, a both gods and goddesses. Um, and there is a lot of information on a number of the Norse gods, but there's not very much information on very many of the Norse goddesses. And I usually wound up writing like, the invocations or, you know, the stuff about that. And so I had this problem that I was having to create ritual text about a deity that I didn't really know what they were, so I would, like, research it, and there wouldn't be very much in the books. And and it just, it, I had a light bulb that, I mean, people, someone decided somewhere in the past what the gods were like, you know, what any of these figures were like, and it just seemed like there must be a way to kind of contact. Um, if they're, you know, if you believe gods are real, you should be able to to contact them again and try to find out who they are or what they're like. Mm-hmm. If you can't read information, I don't mean you should just use trance work because uh, some people get so into trance that they believe whatever they see in a trance and kind of ignore. And you know what I mean? It's like not mm-hmm. everything in your own trance is necessarily going to be true, but combined with, like, research on, on the his, there is some historical information on the gods and other information, which I describe that process in the book, too. And by combining the two together and even working with other people, you know, and kind of getting a consensus of, you know, how they, what their trance experience was compared to yours, you can maybe... Form, you know, try to come to an understanding uh, with the the gods, and also an emotional relationship. You know, that's not just the dry reading about gods. Um, mm. I have heard explained that ritual is calling gods from where they are into your space, into the ritual, and trance working is kind of taking yourself 
from your space to try to reach the world of the gods. Um, you can use trance. I mean, the trance techniques are a way to get into a trance to do other work, as you said. Um, and you, you know, you can use it. You can go into a trance for all kinds of things, certain kinds of magic, divination. Um, but in in this case, what I'm describing in the book is uh, doing a process that's called, for lack of a better word, you could think of it as as there, there is a in the old Norse that they did practice certain types of um, magic that involved trance activities that's described in the books. And one thing that they would do is fare forth, F-A-R-E, forth, or go forth. Um, for you know, Sometimes they would fare forth in the form of an animal to do magic or something. Mm. So in this, I'm kind of taking a journey where I put myself into a trance state and mm. um, try to send part of my psyche out on this journey to contact, in this case, these goddesses, um, to try to meet them and talk to them and get to know them, uh, just get some sense of who or what they are. Um, and, and so how, not to go into age, but how old were you when you first achieved your first deep trance and you came out of it and you're like, oh, Lord, child, I want to make love to myself. That was so good. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I, I was probably in, what was I started doing it in the 80s? Maybe in my late 20s, early 30s. Um, I was actually, and people use various trance working because there's different states of trance that people use for different things. And mm -hmm. a lot of pagans do various things with types of trance. And you would go to pagan festivals and sometimes people would do workshops or, or they would do a trance working for the group. And I'm actually not, I actually used to not be that good at going into trance because <laughs> um, some people like, you know, they do a few things and they immediately go into a trance and I would be sitting there like, ah, you know, and I, <laughs> right. I decided that, that I just wasn't, me. you know, I was one of those people that couldn't do it is what I decided. Uh, but I was actually in an acting workshop in New York City later and there was a hypnotist there that was doing some kind of workshop. I don't remember what it had to do with acting, but he, he kind of did some trance induction techniques and some people in the audience, like, you know, he would say, now try to raise your hand, and they would be in a trance and unable to raise their hand. And then he did a few more things, and then some more people, like, were in a trance. And some of us weren't. And, and his, what he told us is that there were so, so many steps, you know, to getting into hypnosis and that everyone could be hypnotized, but some people took more steps than others. So that was like an aha moment. I thought maybe if I, you know, read a lot about transinduction techniques, and, and try doing it on my own longer than, you know, these groups had done it, that maybe I would be able to get into a trance. Um, and I did. You know, I eventually got to where it doesn't take me that long, and I'm actually better at it. But one of the reasons I started reading about it, and, you know, I would I'd do it like an experiment in high school chemistry mm -hmm. where I would, you know, I would note the time of the month and the time of day and what the weather was, because I was trying to figure out what, you know, if there were conditions that made it easier to go into a trance than others and, you know, conditions that interfered with it. And, and I kind of went, you know, I'd kind of do it once or twice a month. And, um, and I came up with, you know, a bunch of techniques for doing it. And I think if I had been very easily put into a trance, I wouldn't have ever had to bother finding out, you know, I wouldn't have had to think about how to tell someone to go into a trance, and I probably would not have written this book. But because I had to go through this whole process of, of research and, and experimentation before I, you know, kind of got the hang of it, then I feel like, I, you know, I, this, is, this is for people who might need some help going into a trance, not for people who can just do it naturally without, you know worrying about it. And I, I want to ask you this because uh, I remember Eddie and I went to take Lisa Williams. She's a world-renowned medium, uh, one of her classes. And there, you know, I went as an observer and I learned a lot that I had my own intuition and I had my own psychic abilities that yeah. I didn't even know. And the same with what you're talking about, trance, about receiving information. If it's genuine or, you know, or, you know, is it just popping into your head? Well, is that one and the same? Because I know with what 
uh, mediumship or psychic, and I'll ask you, Eddie, is when you when you get that information, isn't that really even if you think it's kind of BS that it's really what you know? Just say what you're seeing. Is that right? I mean, or you know, talk about what you're, you're what you're feeling or see, seeing seeing in, in in the trances trance that you're doing or getting. Is that right? The information. Um, to some degree, I guess what I'm talking about is sometimes like you have your own preconceptions right. and things. And, and I, I usually, I mean, I will write down whatever, I'd make a record, you know, of, you know, say what I'm seeing. But then I usually look at it later. And I also, like I said, I made a record of all these conditions. And I would also note down books I'd been reading or if I saw like a TV show or a movie, like right before I went into trance, <laughs> sometimes those image like, so sometimes you will see in trance things that when you think about it after you're out of trance, you realize might be influenced by, you know, that you had a fight with your okay, friend right. on the phone or that you were, re- you know, you saw all three Star Wars movies that day before you did a trance or whatever. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I mean, because that does influence. So, like, I write it down, and I usually do a trance working to the same goddess, like, multiple times or at least a few times. And I compare that against what I do know from the lore. And just by kind of combining my own personal prejudices, as it were, and thoughts, you know, that sometimes I'll, I'll weed up some things that I realize later when I do the trance again aren't, you know, aren't, you know, don't quite hold water. Uh, but, you know what's and, and there are things in trances. I, and when I'm talking about that too, it some people will if you see certain physical like certain things in a trance, it might be images that mean something to you, but that doesn't mean that everybody else should see that goddess the same way because that might not mean the same thing to them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the goddesses I heard with a Texas country accent, <laughs> and I like later when I thought about it. And research, you know, and and kind of reviewed her that it was saying something about her that she was down to earth and you know kind of plain spoken. And you know, if I had been from England, I might have heard her with a North Country accent, you know. But yeah. I mean, I, I, the re, you know, it's not like she's from Texas. But <laughs> but I but I but that it was kind of like dream images almost. Like you'll see things that mean something on a subjective, you know, or an unconscious level. Well, and you, um, I like how, because I live in a woo-woo world. I mean, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm grounded to be an intuitive. I used to have my head in the clouds, and I didn't like being in a human body and all of that stuff. Um, and everything was right brain for me. It was creative. It was artistic. I was just sort of like, follow your dreams. Oh, I got to pay rent. Um, <laughs> and you have an extraordinary balance it seems like i like your logistical approach i like the aspects that are cerebral where you're you know you you're you're got the log of everything i watched three episodes of star wars oh that's why i dreamt i was dreamt you know dressed like princess leia Uh, and then then also you've got the the great um intuitive aspect of it so i like the way that you're going into this and and now i'm curious can you drop into a trance state much faster now or meaning do you have like triggers or things you can use to just like get right into it i i do i do it much better now and and i I was (laughs) going to just throw out that one of the things i learned in this whole process is that i really thought trance was something like i don't know some kind of talent or, you know, some people like you either could do it or you couldn't. And mm-hmm. what I learned is that it actually is something that can be learned mm-hmm. and, and improved with practice, like a, like playing the piano or like a, a sport, which is, that was a surprise to me. You know, I didn't really, I mean, I know some people have natural ability, you know, without working at it to do it. But, but if you don't, you can actually train yourself or, you know, to get better at it. Um, so, so well, that was kind of exciting. Yeah, so. well, And there's a lot of people that literally go into a trance state, like, and I'm not being silly. I am totally being no. serious. I could be driving down the road. Not now. Cause I'm on a diet. Okay. Alice. <laughs> but there was a time where I could be driving down the road, listening to music, 
a commercial comes on the radio, they start spouting off something about Ben and Jerry's or some Keebler elf and some new fudge dip cookie with M&M's glued to them that you dip (laughs) with a Kit Kat into a bowl of ice cream. And the next thing I know on my way home, I am standing in the cookie aisle (laughs) with that bag of cookies in my hand. And I, I know I'm highly suggestible and a little strange, but a lot of people can go into these sort of automatic hypnotic kind of trances if they don't pay attention, if they don't learn to direct their consciousness. Is that true or false? Yeah, I've met some people that said they had that experience. Um, and I guess that's one of the reasons I felt like, well, I, I can't do that, so I, I can't ever do trance working. But. Yeah, be, be glad that you can't do it because, it, I mean, I jumped up to 236.1 pounds. And they, they had the opposite problem of having to learn to ground themselves. So. Uh, yeah, and that's well stated. Yeah. And I will say the the kind of trance working, there's different types, which I talk about in the book. But what I'm doing here is it is kind of directed and focused. I'm not just opening my mind and letting whatever happen happens. I usually... I usually do it as part of a ritual. Um, these particular trances were done to contact a certain goddess. Um, mm-hmm. I've used it with gods later. Um, but, you know, I usually do a ritual and kind of to somebody. And it, it's kind of setting up like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to get your attention, and now I'm going to try to meet you. And, you know, that's kind of my intent. So, and then that's what... I usually do uh, sometimes with less success, but but it is kind of a directed consciousness uh, in this case, rather than just wide open to. It's not like crying or something where you just kind of open your mind and let you know try to see what happens. Um, that wow. thing. Well, and so tell us one of your high points. What did the, um, like when you came, you went in and you came out and you were like, Lord have mercy. I mean, something where you were just blown away that got confirmed for you in a way that just continued to solidify the trance work and what you do. Well, a couple of things. One, one eye opener was I did the trance work. One of the first ones mentioned in the, the book after Frigg is air, E-I-R who's the goddess of healing, because the Norse had a, a goddess of healing rather than a god. And and in the ritual, I saw some things happened to do with another god called Tyr, and mm-hmm. it seemed like there was some kind of connection between them. And then, and, you know, so I wrote that down, and, you know, that he's a war warrior, so, you know, he might need healing, so, you know, that kind of made sense. And, and then later, I was not doing research on air, but I was, I was just looking at something in some book, and there were, there were some transcriptions from, like, um, pagan Germany uh, when, when they had contact with part of Germany, was part of uh, the German states were part of the Roman Empire at various times. And, uh, and it was some carvings on a stone that actually was some of the things that I had seen in my trance. Um, so that was like, well, this is this is pretty real because it's carved in stone, as they say. Um, so that was pretty exciting to have something you saw in a trance then confirmed by an actual archaeological find or object. Um, and the other thing was I, I, at one of these pagan festivals where I had done a trance working and actually had more success than I usually did, I just had this very vivid image uh, of a goddess figure. And years later, I finally was doing a trance working and working with a particular Norse goddess. And when I was in the trance, I realized that that had been her, but I didn't, I didn't know it at the time. I wasn't familiar with that figure. So that was, that was kind of neat to finally have a name to put with that. And and thank you for that. We we love the ground and stuff. Now let me tell you what's happening over here with Tony and I. First of all, there is a fruit fly flying around us. <laughs> and Eddie Eddie looks like he's going crazy. He's like flipping his what, hands to the air. <laughs> and then Tony's looking at me like, What's your problem? And I've been so there's it, because this is radio, yes, but it's also video. So a lot of people are seeing us. And then there's two fruit flies, and they're of course coming over to me. So evidently I'm the bigger gay of the two of us. 
And then I'm trying to swat it away and be all cool and professional. And then Tony's trying to get me to read this thing about how is trance working related to the magical practice of sorcery. But I couldn't pronounce the F-S-E-I-O-R. <laughs> and then so we're just like fending off fruit flies and then we're cracking up because we can't keep a straight face. So when you go back and watch the video, we just want you to know how much fun and light your energy oh, we is. We love it. We I love know. it. Because we're it, learning a lot. What, yeah, but so you see, I literally have to slide out of the screen because one flew in my eye. <laughs> so we just want you to know what's happening over here on our end. But, how, but how do you pronounce it's It's, it's yeah. the Nordic term, uh, yeah. Norse, old Norse term for, for a type of sorcery, but how do you... I think you're talking about it's S E I, it looks like a D with a little line to yes. to the top of it. It's it's a it's a phonetical word. It's a letter. It's called Ed, and it's the sound the voice the. Oh. They used to have instead of T H. They used to actually have an, a separate letter for that sound. The S E I O R. And how it's do you pronounce Sade? Sade. Okay. I would have never even got that. I know. What, Sometimes what? <laughs> you'll hear it pronounced Sade. Uh, you know, of course, they, nobody really knows how Old Norse was pronounced. Oh, um, yeah. Um, but I think the now linguists kind of have, have veered toward the, the Sade pronunciation. Sometimes people pronounce it Seed, and that is not. Mm mm. The way it was, ever I wouldn't even come close. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing we're cracking up because if you could hear us pre-recording the intros to people's say shows, words and saying like you're like all kinds of these words and like, and I'm like Tony always gives me the hard words, <laughs> and so then he's got on the screen here to ask his question. So it literally, it, this is how it read: How is trance working related to the magical practice? The letter F space S E I O R. Because I misspelled it. <laughs> well, are, after all of that, <laughs> Alice, you're the most patient pagan you are. on planet Earth. We love Earth. it. We love you for that. <laughs> so really, so here's the question. How is trance working related to the magical practice of sorcery? So he left out the OF this time. Um, well, like I said, I mean, there's rune magic. And oh, we yeah. know there's we a, a magical alphabet of runes, which used to be very obscure, and now there's been a lot of books on it over the past couple of decades and there was a magic associated with called galder but there were other kinds of magic and you'll see a term for a type of magic or sorcery throughout like and when i said these are like the sagas and the old norse texts there's two called the eddas the prose edda and the poetic edda which are probably the oldest um stories or myths, that's where the myths come from. Uh, and they were all written down after the people weren't pagan anymore. So, you know, you have to sort out what's true. But they mention a type of magic or sorcery called sade or sather. Um, and it's and no one's really sure what it <laughs> what it was, quite frankly. So everyone kind of has their own idea of what sade was. It, uh, a lot of times it winds up being everything that was that isn't Galder. <laughs> But um, it does seem to have involved some type of trance state, or at least a number of the practices, um, because they have descriptions of people doing it. The, the thing is, you know, there's a lot of descriptions of people doing rune magic, and it talks about them, you know, cutting a stick and carving things into it. And, like, because it's outward, but if someone's doing a trance working, you don't really know what's going on internally. So it's hard to know what they were doing because there's no description by onlookers. I, I think there's one, there's a couple of things when they'll talk about someone, you know, covering themselves up with a cloak and lying, you know, still for a long time and then suddenly sitting up and yawning and then making this prophecy, which are, you know, that's what the onlookers see. But, like, it would be really nice to know what was going on in that worker's head yeah. when he was doing that. But, of course, you don't know, so... So you kind of have to guess. But they use trance states for certain types of magic. And one type, like I said, it almost seems like a type of shape-shifting or something because there are descriptions of uh, magic workers like going into a trance state and, and, and an animal, like they kind of have an animal symbol or you know self would 
go out and, you know, be fighting in a battle, like a bear or something, you know, interfering with one side of a battle or the other, because uh, that army had brought a, a sorceress with them. Oh, wow. That's pretty awesome. So yeah, that actually is like, stuff. you know, visible concrete, you know, sending forth. Or, or people would go into a trance state to try to fi- find out, like, what happened to someone's three brothers that went to sea last year, and they don't know what happened to them. Um, there's like a myth where someone does an operation to find that out. Or, so, I mean, there, there, there mm. is, that is the idea that people would, using a trance state to go, you know, to other places in this world to find things out. And I guess that's where I got the idea of doing something similar to try to reach the worlds of the gods or, or some of these other magical beings that they talk about. Wow. If, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Truth Be Told with Tony and Eddie. I'm Eddie Connor. And I'm Tony Sweet. And we have with us author Alice Carl's daughter. She's the author of Norse Goddess Magic. It is trance work, mythology, and ritual. And we're curious, why do you include fairy tales among your sources of information? Um, well, one, because I was trying to do not only scholar, like I'm not, I'm not, I've done a lot of research into North folklore, but I'm not an academic. Like I didn't get a doctorate in that. And there are a number of scholarly books um, on the Norse mythology and tradition. So you know, there was no point to just make it strictly objective. But I was all, you know, because I was using it religiously and not not from an academic standpoint, you know, I felt like I could use other sources of information. So I'm kind of trying to tap into the subjective side. And one of the things that really sparked my imagination uh, before I actually did actual trances was reading, like, fairy tales and folklore, which I had been introduced to as a young child. But um, very often if I had been... I was doing some kind of project where I was reading a lot of fairy tale books, not necessarily Norse ones even, but like just a lot of fairy tales for some kind of project I was working on unrelated to this. But I found that when I was doing, you know, my magical and religious research that my mind was just like suddenly I had all these ideas about, you know, what the Scottish was like or something. It just seemed to spark my imagination. Mm-hmm. So so I like to read the folklore, too, just to kind of, I mean, it, it kind of puts you into that culture if you read the folklore of the culture you're working with. But it, it kind of jump-starts whatever lets you go into a trance. Because um, I, I really, I, I like to have some images and ideas and things stirring around before I do the trance working. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's like when someone, like in school, where they would ask you to write an essay about anything. It was always really hard. Like your teacher says, write it, you know, 500 words about anything you want. And it's like you can't think of anything. But mm-hmm. if they say, you know, write about your favorite animal or something, you know, it's like it's better, it's easier to, it's kind of easier to go there when you, you already have, like, some ideas in your head to kind of prime the pump rather than just sitting in a, a vacuum and trying to trying to have something happen, at least for me. So, just out of curiosity, is it easier for you, Alice, to go into a trance inside, like in the concrete jungle, or is it easier for you to go into a trance outside, like in a forest? Well, that is a good question. Um, probably, in, I've done it inside mostly because I've lived in cities a lot. There, mm-hmm. There's pros and cons. You know, of course, inside you're, there's a lot of energy, especially in a city, and especially if you live in apartments or things, there's noise, and, you know, you are surrounded by concrete, and now there's, like, electronics, which I think really interfere with it. So I, yeah, I do, too. Everything <laughs> but so the forest is beautiful and natural and everything, but it's also filled with, like, bugs and, <laughs> and rain and wet, you know, because one of the things, like, when you, when I go into a trance, it's kind of like putting your body, like, you're trying to take your attention away from your body, um, and so any, like, if it's too hot or too cold or things are itching you or something, then you're suddenly thinking about your body, and yeah. I, you can't go into a trance state, so... Right. 
So I, I don't know. You know, it's it's kind of it's nice. And I have done trans workings outside. They, there are stories that people would do what they call sitting out, where they go sit out in a you know lonely place for a long time to to encounter um, a dead relative. You know, to sit on the mound of their grave or something. Mm. So they would do that, and I've done that, and that can be very magical too. But mm-hmm. for this particular type of trance, it does kind of add, like I said, that a lot of um, different distractions. So so do you think, we only have about four minutes left, and I, okay. ha- I hate that this is already almost over, but uh, do you feel that uh, the work that you've done uh, enhanced your intuitiveness, hmm. I guess, psychic ability? Because I think there is, you have to have some sort of yeah. ability to do what you do. I don't know if it enhanced it, but I think it made me trust it more. Huh. Um, you know, I've kind of, you know, I grew up in a modern society where, you know, that's like I love fairy tales. I'm an actor. Like I, I love, you know, fiction and, you know, make believe and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But like you get to a certain age, it's like, well, this is not really real, you know. And if you mm-hmm. if you have that feeling about something, it's like, oh, you know, that's just your imagination. You must think logically about all your problems. But now I know that that feeling is right a lot of the time. So. Wow. I, I think every fairy tale, every story, fiction or not fiction, has some kind of correlation to reality, whether we see it or don't see it. And do you yourself have a favorite goddess? Um, I think Frigg is probably, or she's the one I felt closest to, although I, 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 I feel like now I have a relationship with a number of gods and goddesses. So. Mm-hmm. What is it about Frigg that yeah. uh, you... Or more attracted, I guess, or at least. Um, and it's funny because she she's like the mother. She's seen as a mother goddess. When I say all mother, she wasn't actually called the all mother in the myths, but I, I think in a lot of ways she functions as that because she's the mother of a lot of the gods and she's the goddess of homes and family and children. And I'm actually, you know, I not married with a lot of children and I do theater and weird stuff and and not, you know, I don't seem very. Homemaking, but but there is a part of me I do I like to kind of have my house in order and do the cooking and stuff. And there's an orderliness about her. She also is associated with spinning and weaving. And I think hmm. a lot a number of other crafts. If you look at some of the German goddesses that are similar, and I really am into that kind of you know arts and crafts stuff. And she's just very calm and peaceful and understanding. And I guess I'm kind of hyper sometimes and I just found that a very good influence to uh, to contact to what? kind of calm me down even when you're speaking about her you're carrying the frequency your your disposition their tonal quality the lyrical fluidity of your vocals literally just started to get in this wonderful receptive calm meditative mm-hmm. place yeah and Frigg is kind of like that I love that. Well, this is great, and we hope that uh, you come back and visit us again. Uh, if you have any new books, th- are you going to be writing any more books? Or I, it takes me a long time, but yeah, I'm thinking of writing uh, some more. Um, I'm I'm either going to write, continue writing about some different goddesses, mm-hmm. or write about ritual theater. Oh, mm-hmm. wow, that's great! Ding ding ding! Which, ritual yeah. theater Which for two hundred. Do you 200? think I should write about ritual theater? Yeah, that's okay. amazing. Yeah, because it, I love ritual. Ritual is part of a thing when you get into the rhythm of it, and it, it, mm-hmm. it's a trigger for me. Like, I won't ever do an intuitive reading without doing my prayer, my little rituals that go with right. it. And and I and th- but with the theater being a performer in the past, oh Lord, uh, mm-hmm. being an entertainer and a performer in the past, there there is a marriage between those two worlds. Oh, that yeah. I th- I think it's important to have it. And most theater grew out of ritual in yeah. the beginning, if you, if you read the history. So. I love that. Thank you, Alice. You've been amazing. You have been. And patient. Thank you for, I mean, we were literally attacked by insects and everything. <laughs> and you, you're just going along. I would, does that mean something, actually, now that I think about it? Because they're gone now. Yeah. I don't know. 
<laughs> we'll have to look that yeah, up. Yeah, we'll have to look I, Alice, yeah. we, did you I will a, say that my favorite god might be Loki. So oh, Loki, <laughs> yeah. Well, now that... He's a god of mischief. So. Every, yeah. And everybody knows who Loki now is. Yeah. <laughs> well, they know who Marvel's Loki Yes, right, is, right. Not necessarily yeah, not the, the real Loki. The real one. Well, we thank you. Destruction, so that might have been the end. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait till you see the video played back. I mean, literally, it was like, what? I kept looking over at Eddie, like, what are you doing? Like, waving your arms. <laughs> anyway, all right, Alice, we thank you so much. And thank if you, you guys want to go thank to you. her. I have enjoyed it. Oh, wait, we totally enjoyed it. And go, please go look at her. I think you have a, a couple places that people yes. can find you. You can go to mad alice.blogspot.com. Or you can go to your uh, her website, and that's just Alice Car's da- Car- Carl's daughter. Carl's daughter, yeah, and that is K A. What? That's not a website. That's a Facebook. It's Facebook right. page. That's Facebook, Facebook slash Alice Carl's daughter, and we have all of the information up on the screen so that everybody that's watching can actually spell it correctly. Yes, and uh, I believe I have an author page at Inner Traditions Bear Company. Yep, we sure well, do. Nice. We got people. We got that website up there too. But thank you so much, and Thanks, come back Alice. and see us. All right. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks, Alice. Bye-bye. All right, well, another great show, and I hope you guys learned some stuff, and I know we sure did. Uh, What'd you learn? Huh? I learned that Eddie doesn't like bugs flying around his face. Well, Tony doesn't like bugs flying around his face. No, I usually eat them for good protein. That's why he's got a tongue like a giraffe, (laughs) y'all. It's like an ant eater. (laughs) Uh, but uncle we, we, we want, we want to think we've, I've been getting a lot of emails from people suggesting, um, guests for us, Eddie. And so we want to thank you guys. We, they say, well, you guys mention it. So we want to suggest, and I've had probably five in the last week. Uh, and so Eddie and I will look at those and, and see if we can get some of those people on. And Wana is an Aboriginal, uh, leader from Australia, and uh, they want to try to get him on the show. So I would love to have him on the show. We've talked about Native Americans, so we need to talk about that. Yeah, we do, especially as to what's going on with the pipeline right now. They did stop some of the demolition on it in a section. We're told in a section so that the public would back off and the country would leave them alone, but... It's just in a section. Oh, well, we need to we need to get more people. I know. We I need to get some people. I on saw a thing on uh, Facebook because if you see it on Facebook, it's got to be true, right? Oh, oh sure. But it, it, it's very poignant. If anybody in this country were trying to take that pipeline and take it through Arlington Cemetery, oh my God, that would be up in arms. So why isn't it the same for these Native American? Yeah. Leave them alone. We've, That's right. We've, we've messed them a lot more enough. than any other group in the world. Yes. So leave them alone. All right. Well, we are out. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, come back next week. It's a psychic call-in show. Yes, it is. William Constantine and Rachel Angeline are going to be here. And the first 30 minutes of the two-hour show is going mm-hmm. to be us getting to meet and greet William, getting a little bit of background information from him. He's coming up from New Mexico, I believe. Just to see us. Yes, and he's going to be live in studio along with Rachel Angeline, and then we're going to pick up and do some readings. That sounds good. We hope you guys enjoyed. We'll see you next week right here on... Truth be told with Tony and Eddie, I'm Tony Sweet. I'm Eddie Connor. See you next time. Bye, y'all. Bye. Hey, thank you for listening to Truth Be Told with Tony and Eddie right here on Universal Broadcasting Network. Make sure you go to our iTunes page. Just type in Truth Be Told with Tony and Eddie. Listen to us on iHeartRadio. Again, Truth Be Told with Tony and Eddie. And go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, and please please, please leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. So please support our sponsors and make sure you listen to us every Friday right here on Universal Broadcasting Network from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Until then, have a good week.